SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rage! Sports Rage with Gabe Morency. Rage all you want. Let's roll. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morency. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, and everybody else in between throwing it down. The Friday Night Freak Show has begun as we break it down. Sirius XM Satellite Radio, Channel 204, Sports Grid Radio Network. Shout out to all of our AM radio affiliates that will be joining us in a couple of moments as well. But I know the Rageaholics are ready to do this thing. There's no more countdown. It's go time. We're breaking it all down. We got a full house here this evening. All right, we're you know we're fired up for the LSU UCLA game. We've got the play-by-play man that's doing the game for the Westwood One Radio Networks. Ryan Radke will step up and in and kick it with us. Mike Blewett, Sports Grid Radio, Sports Grid Television. Mike Blewett. Mike Blewett knows football. We talk football with Mike Blewett. You know who really knows football? Brent Beard. Brent Beard joined us earlier in the week. It was awesome stuff. Brent Beard. Breaks it down, SEC style. We got a ton of SEC teams in action. Uh, we're running the gauntlet, Steve Merrill. We'll get some uh, picks from Steve Merrill. What a Steve Merrill like wager talk steps up and in on the Friday Night Freak Show as well. So, you know what? Tonight's one of these nights. It's just like week one, college football. There's a million games. Normally, we get you caught up to date. This is going on. That's going on. Whatever, man. You know what's going on? We've got a lot of bets to get to. That's what's going on. And... There's a lot of talk about college football and its future and these alliances and the expansions and the crossovers and the conferences and everything else in between. Um, But, you know, if we expand the playoffs too much, then the regular season will lose what makes college football so damn cool. What makes college football so damn cool is the fact that Clemson and Georgia are willing to play each other, knowing that they're playing in a sport that there's no margin for error, that they're willing to play each other like this. We've got five top 25 matchups, guys, in the in week one. It's the first time ever that this has happened before. All right? Like, literally and fairly. It's that good what we've got uh, coming up. Well, yeah, we've got some blockbuster, blockbuster uh, matchups. And, you know, there's one team that's so good, but they're so good, like, they ne- we never talk about them, and that's Alabama. And we've talked quite a lot of Alabama football, we will tonight, on the program, but I've noticed that, because Bama are favored by so many points all the time, and it's like, ah, you don't really want to discuss a, a team that's favored by minus 48 every week. They're up to 19 and a half. We're going to break that down and more. we got a lot of stuff to unpack tonight. As we welcome our AM radio affiliates to the Friday Night Freak Show. You know the digits, you know the drill. I am Gable Morenzi. The pimps, the players, the hustlers, the people that bust them, the college football DJs, and everybody else in between. How cool is this? As it's finally here. 
Listen, man, we had week zero last week, but week zero is called week zero for a reason. Week zero is like going into a restaurant, and that, that was the soup. That was the soup. I don't even know if we've gotten into, like, the uh, the main course yet. I think, you know, what we've had over the last couple of days has been great. The odds makers, well, these guys are in midseason form right now, aren't they? Uh, but now it gets real, real. All right? Now it gets uh, real, real. And we got some, like, kick-ass football games on the board to break down, including Clemson and Georgia, including Penn State and Wisconsin. We haven't forgotten about you on the West Coast. Listen, you guys know if you've been tuning in this week, we've been all over the LSU Tiger and the UCLA Bruin uh, game. Ryan Racky will join us, play-by-play voice, uh, Westwood One Radio. He's going to be doing the game at the uh, the storied Rose Bowl on Saturday night. So we got the play-by-play man of the UCLA and LSU football game. We'll get into the San Diego State Aztec game for our listeners out there in San Diego, the mightier 1090. And I'll tell you what, you know, when you think of San Diego State, you don't think of explosive offense. You know, you think of Brady Hoke, and you don't think, yeah, you know what, I want to lay, like, uh, I want to lay 32 points. But let me put it this way. I'm, you know, I'm going to simplify things. So there's so many games. We've got so many guests tonight, and we got so many games that I, that I want to get to. So I'm not going to run through, all oh, they're 22 and 6 against the spread when the wind blows this way and uh, and, 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 and that way. We're just going to simplify things tonight for all these games. So San Diego State Aztecs. And listen, depending on your book and the number moves and blah, blah, blah. So, you know, 31 and a half, let's call it. Seems like a lot of points, right? Well, you know, San Diego State Aztecs had like the you know, the third ranked defense in college football, and you know, is the Mountain West the best conference in college football? No, uh, but but we all know that San Diego State can play some D. New Mexico State, guys, you know how you hear all these teams? Oh, this team's got 20 starters back, and this team's got 18 starters back. You know, how, like everybody has starters back this year. New Mexico State have three starters back. They're essentially an expansion team playing college football. They lost 30-3 to last week to the UTEP Miners. All right, the UTEP Miners. All right, let's get into it, man. As Arsenio Hall used to say, let's get busy. The late-night anger management class continues. Let's do this thing again. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. We roll, and it's the Friday Night Freak Show. I am Marenzi, Sirius XM, Channel 204, Sports Grid Radio Networks, the loudest station in the nation. We're breaking it down. Shout out to our AM radio affiliates as well. As I stated in our opening, like in the, in the immortal words of Krusty the Clown, there'll be no monologue tonight because my feet hurt. All right? Wow, what a wild week, man. And we're just getting started. Like, it's already overwhelming. Like, it really is. Like, you think you're prepared for the college football season, and then it arrives, and you're like, oh, my God, man, there's a lot of games. And you don't want to leave anything on the table. You you know what I mean? So, you know, as I stated, tonight's not a night that we're going to dance around and stuff. Let's just get right into the picks. Uh, let's get right into the picks. We've got a lot of big games, and we'll get we'll get the big games out of the way right now, and we'll share some of the more, you know, degenerate type of games that I know I shouldn't be betting, but I just can't help myself, and I'm going to end up betting. 
All right, so let's start off with a game that's probably the most talked about game of the week. And I would say that's Clemson and that's Georgia. And I was talking earlier about simplifying things this week. So as I stated, so you got San Diego State. And I'm sure there's people tuning in. Oh, I don't want to lay 31 and a half with the San Diego State Aztecs. They're going to run the ball. How many points are they going to score? Let me reiterate that UTEP just went in to uh, New Mexico State. And beat them 30-3. to three. UTAP's win total is 3.5 on the season. All right, UTAP are like not, they're better than they were, but they're still a terrible program. They went in there and beat them by 27. Like New Mexico State shouldn't even be playing D1 football right now. It's like one of those deals they're hanging on for deal. They should be playing like Bishop Sycamore. San Diego State's defense will just be much, much too much for them. So there, I'll just put that in perspective. If you're worried... Oh, yeah, put it this way, too. The quarterback, <laughs> the quarterback, poor kid, he's got no talent around him. So Johnson, the quarterback for New Mexico State, he completed eight passes. He was eight of 24, guys, against UTEP. How the hell do you think he's going to do on the road against San Diego State? Not well. Not well. Lay the points. Lay the points in that game. So as far as simplifying things, I've said it before and I'm going to say it again. Do you want Dabo Sweeney? A multiple national champion and one of the best coaches in college football. And arguably, like, you know, he's making a run, like, at a Hall of Fame career here. Or you want Kirby Smart. The only thing that Georgia really, really does really well is recruit. Right? And I'm not saying their program's terrible or anything, but... And it's a toss-up of a game. And most of the guests that we've had this week, guys, they like Georgia. So maybe I'm kind of in the minority here, but... I don't know, guys. Look at Justin Fields. And I'll simplify this one. Kirby Smart decided that Jake Fromm was a better quarterback than Justin Fields. Jake Fromm was just released um, from the Buffalo Bills, like, COVID squad, essentially. Practice roster. You know, he was the third stringer. They didn't really, you know what I mean? Like, you know, you got Dabo Sweeney that's had the entire offseason to prepare. Then you get into the quarterbacks, and I got to give credit. JT Daniels has played well. Former USC Trojan, obviously, uh, has played well in the SEC. But I, I really like this DJ kid uh, with the Clemson Tigers. I think the kid kid has the potential to win the Heisman Trophy. We saw what he did last year to Notre Dame. We saw what he did to Boston College. He started two games. He averaged 37 points a game. I think the, the offense will be fine, and we know that Clemson's defense will be good. All right, Clemson's defense did get pushed around. Not pushed around, but you could throw the ball on them. Their defense last year at the end of the year wasn't as good as up to standards. You know, some people would argue that this is not a good game to bet on because it's such a toss-up, and I, I wouldn't argue with that take, but... You know, hardcore fans, call it fo- you know what, you want to get a piece of the big games. I'm on Clemson. All right, I already bet it. I got Clemson on the money line. I think Clemson get it done. Would it shock me if they lost? No. Is it the lock of the century? No. I will tell you the comparable, comparable to LSU and UCLA. I like LSU better. LSU has sort of evolved into like one of my best bets of the day, if not the best bet of the day. And I like it even more so that everybody's drinking the brew and Kool-Aid. Let's let's look at a couple of numbers. See, so yeah, LSU last year, they went 4-1 and one against the spread in the last five games of the season. Pretty much the entire team's back. 
The LSU Tigers are 8-2-1 against the spread of their last 11 road games. Quarterback Max Johnson threw eight touchdowns and one interception against pretty good competition in the Florida Gators and the Mississippi, uh, Mississippi Rebels. All right, their offense scored 32 points a game last year in a down year. Let's remember, the LSU Tigers had 14 players that were drafted the year before, including uh, Joe Burrow. Uh, Jamar Chase, who was just a top-five pick in the NFL draft, opted out and didn't play due to COVID because he was going to the NFL draft. And Bo Pelini was their defensive coordinator. Everywhere Bo Pelini goes, everything falls apart. Bo Pelini's not there anymore. LSU are not Hawaii. UCLA will lose the battle in the trenches. And... And uh, you know what? You look at the game last week, and it was a fun game. And it was nice to see UCLA succeed. We want to see, I know a lot of people don't like Chip Kelly. I got no beef with Kelly. But I'd like to see the Bruin program do well. I think it's good, good for college football. And Dorian, uh, DTR, uh, easier to say DTR, but you know, obviously Dorian Tom, Thompson Robinson, he didn't light it up through the air last week, guys. Right? He only completed 10 passes. And... Now you're going up against this LSU defense. That's not the Hawaii defense. UCLA was successful last week because they were able to run the football pretty much at will. They're not. Like, they ran for, like, what, like 244 yards? They're not going to do that against LSU. If they do, hey, I'm wrong, I lose my money. But give me the LSU Tigers. Give me the LSU Tigers in that game. You know, home field advantage is kind of none. There's going to be a ton of LSU fans there. It's not like UCLA have a massive fan base. They have a massive stadium, but they don't have a massive fan base. And, you know, UCLA were 0-6, their last six games in non-conference, um, non-conference tilts before beating Hawaii. All right, so now they're 1-6. What, now they're going to turn around, they're going to beat LSU the following week? You know, one of our regular guests and a great guest, Teddy Covers, joins us every Thursday. You know, talked about not really being able to read the marketplace anymore. And I, I agree with him. I don't know. I don't get this one. I don't get why the number's been dropping all week. But I like the LSU Tigers in that game. Penn State and Wisconsin. Say what you will, man. You know, this, this is another polarizing uh, game. It's a polarizing team. A lot of people don't like Coach James Franklin. Um, a lot of people think that Penn State are like the bounce back team of the year and that, you know, they could be in the playoff mix, that maybe they could knock off Ohio State this year. And other people think, I don't know, maybe like their schedule is too tough. Full disclosure, and I've told you, but we got a million future bets in. And one of the future bets we made was Wisconsin to win their division. They don't have to like even beat Ohio State and win the conference. They just got to win their division. So this isn't a divisional tilt. So if they lose this game, it's not the end of the world for Wisconsin. And generally, I'm of I'm the believer, and I feel this way. College football and NFL football are different, but I sort of feel the same way. Like if you're taking an underdog, you'd want to think they have a chance of winning the game. Or I should say that point spreads don't really matter as much as people think they do. But in this game, I think it does. Wisconsin only scored about 25 points a game. How much better is their offense really going to be, right, than it was last year? So let's say it's a little bit better. How much? Like 28 points a game? I don't know. You know what I mean? 
Then you you get into Penn State. You know, Penn State closed strong. They won their last four games. They you know they've got Cliff, they, Clifford's back, and you're getting you're getting six and a half points, man. Like you know, this is another one where I don't understand like the the total love and the run here, the big run on the Wisconsin Badgers. Do they win the game? Maybe. Are they going to blow Penn State out? I don't think so. Penn State are a good road team too. Mike Blewett steps up and in next. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabriel Morenci. Let's break it down with Sports Grids. Mike Blewett. There's a ton of stuff I want to throw at him. There's a ton of stuff I want to unpack. But let's give uh, Mike a couple of minutes uh, here so we can take off his uh, scuba uh, gear after the uh, the floods and the hurricane hits the city, New York City, and, of course, uh, the state of New Jersey under a state of emergency. Mike Blewett steps up and in. Thanks a lot for taking the time to be with us, Mike. Glad you're safe. Thanks, man. I'm glad my head is above water. Uh, it's been a rough patch here for a lot of folks in the tri-state area, but my personal hometown where I live, we dodged most of the damage. So I appreciate your thoughts. Now, to be honest, and I said this um, the other night on the program when I saw the, the New York City subway system uh, flooding it like it yeah. did, and they said, well, we've declared a state of emergency. And I said, pretty much every second day in the state of New York and New Jersey's state of emergency. It really is. It really is like between floods, potential attacks, groping governors, um, incompetent mayors, basketball teams, ownerships, general managers, drinking and driving. I can go on. Every day is a state of emergency in New York. Let's just be real. I've been through a lot of color-coded warning systems in my <laughs> life in New York, Gabe, that I don't know which color is good or bad anymore. So uh, proceed with caution and wear a helmet. It's funny. So I guess, so what are the New York Mets? What's their color scheme? Orange. Same yes. thing. My, I used to be on the subway and I'd look up. I'm like, I don't even know what that means. I'm like, orange, yeah. green, red, like, yeah. uh, red, red, bad. Does that mean we're in trouble? Like, what, what does that even mean? But, dear God, I saw the water outside the stadium in Rutgers, and I've actually been there before. Yeah. So, like, the, the footage that I saw, it looked like it was a river, like it was meant to be. And I'm thinking, that's not a river there. It's actually a road right there. That's a campus. And I believe it's called River Road, too, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, they're right near the, the Raritan River. So, uh, obviously, a lot going on. In Jersey, floods, everything else. Uh, you know, it's it's been a wild couple of days. Listen, before we get into uh, to the football, and I look forward to your college football opinions. Something that's kind of flying under the radar because of the severity uh, of the storm, politically, what's going on. You know, with everything, there's a lot of stuff going on in the world, and then even in the sports world, and people get sort of, I think they're vaxxed out, like they're Fauci'd out. But the story about players not being able to play indoors in New York and San Francisco, to me, should be getting a bigger, bigger run uh, than it is. I mean, yeah. this is this is real, real. And you wonder what other what other cities and and arenas will implement uh, the same indoor policies. Sure. And if you're 
So point blank, listen, let's say you're not vaccinated and you're on the Brooklyn Nets. You're on the New York Knicks. You, you're you not allowed in your home arena anymore. Correct. How do you play for this basketball team? Correct. Uh, obviously, they are accepting medical and religious exceptions, but it does push to another level. As restrictive as some people felt the NFL was being, this pushes it to a whole new level. I can tell you that I personally went to a Foo Fighters concert in Madison Square Garden a couple of months back, and I had I showed my vaccination status. I have it have it uploaded on the app. I walked right in, no so problem. You have like people. a barcode, like with yeah, a clear yeah, okay. path app or whatever. Code, yeah. And other people had their card, whatever. I just didn't want to carry the card, so I uploaded the app. It was, you know, on my medical app or whatever. So, uh, and it was nice and easy for me to walk in. I don't know what other people. I assumed other people that weren't vaxxed were just not coming into the concert. But this really does draw a specific line, Gabe. We're talking about players in the NFL hoping for high vaccination levels, and yeah, we've talked about the controversies with Cole Beasley and people talking about was it a factor with Cam Newton. Well, all of that stuff seems like child's play compared to the NBA drawing a line and cities, frankly, drawing a line where politics are really butting up against sports in a pretty significant way, saying you're not allowed in unless you're vaccinated, uh, barring certain exceptions. I, I don't know how many religious exceptions there will be league wide, but clearly it won't be that significant a number. Well, there's going to be a lot of NBA players that are converting to Rastafarian. They already lived the lifestyle. Uh, but now they'll officially convert because, yeah, I don't know how many religious guys there are. <laughs> like, and, or and, certainly religious enough that religious. Like prevent them from getting a vaccine. I like when people like spin that too. Huh? And listen, I love God. So I'm not, I've got no issue with this, but so you can just say, well, it's against my religion not to gamble. Mike, and say it's a religious thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? Like so, like I mean, it's sort of like spin great... it. you can spin yeah, it any just, way you want. I don't know. I'm not a biblical expert, but I'm just wondering. Like, is it in the Bible anything about not taking a Pfizer shot? <laughs> Seems unlikely to me. I've, 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 just, I've read just... I've read over it once or twice, and uh, I feel like I feel like there's nothing in there about. about uh, I'm just, yeah, I don't I don't want to get too philosophical with you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not putting you on the spot here. Mike's like, dear God, football has asked me about the Bible now. Like, I don't, I don't want to talk about I mean, I went Bible. to 16 years of Catholic school, Gabe. I'm game. Hey, uh, I, don't know that I'm on, yeah, I don't know that I'm, I, I'm as sharp as I once was, but. What I'm did you first. think? What did you think of Dabble Sweeney? I don't know if you saw his comments. And I'm actually surprised because speaking of religious guys, uh-huh. Dabble would strike me as the type of guy that would be anti-vax. I'm just saying, like my own personal opinion, if you ask me, what do you think Dabble Wow, yeah. you know, I trust in God. To, you know what I mean? I, I sort of think. I don't know if you guys saw Dabo's comments. They, so they asked about the vaccination. And he said, well, we encourage everybody on our team to get vaccinated. He goes, we don't, we didn't force anybody. And and then he went on. He got, he started opening up about it. And he said, but to be honest with you, he said, I think pretty much every player. He goes, there's an exception of a couple of kids that aren't. And he goes, pretty much our entire staff is. And he said yeah. nobody's against it. He said there's a couple of reasons. I think he meant medical reasons, et cetera. He said, but for the most part, we're fully vaxxed. And then he dropped a good dabbleism. He said, the way I look at it is, if it's cold outside, I'd rather wear a jacket. <laughs> he goes, <laughs> and it's true, good point. He goes, it doesn't mean you still won't get cold. <laughs> but he goes, at least, at least I know I'm protecting myself as much as I can. That's the way I look at the vaccinations. And... It's funny how 
times like this make strange bedfellows, so to speak. I agree. I, I yeah, think so you're totally right. People because... were tweeting out, God, I don't even like Davos Sweeney. And man, what a line that he just dropped. Simple, <laughs> simple wisdom from Dabo. And I, I think he's always been a, a reasonable dude. I know some people bristle at the the extent to which uh, religion is infused within their program. And I, I understand sort of both sides of it. But I, I would also say that I think you're right uh, about strange bedfellows, because I think a lot of people are trying to put folks in a box as to whether or not you think or they would or would not be anti-vax or would or would not be for the vaccine. But it's not like uh, certain communities are singularly against the vaccine in all different ways or for the vaccine in all different ways. It just doesn't mean because you voted blue that you're pro-vax and you voted red and you're anti-vax. Those crisscross quite a bit in ways that you might not have anticipated before this started to become a national debate. I don't believe any of these studies and polls and stuff like that. But um, one thing that's actually crazy, I saw a study in a poll uh, that like because you see like an anti-vaxxer and people sort of picture the toothless dude waving a confederate flag or whatever you know what i mean Mm. and there's sort of that like yeah there's a stigma and actually i read that um the most unvaccinated or unsure is a 42 year old average 42 year old liberal woman (laughs) i was like this can't be possible right but there was i guess there's apprehension right it's that your side you can't blanket you can't blanket uh you can't blanket anybody so College football, college football, the SEC uh, announces forfeits and double, double forfeits as well. So that's, you know, I think that's pretty much a case in point, because I think if you look, if you look politically, that is the most unvaxxed area of the nation in Mm -hmm. SEC country. Mm -hmm. Yet the SEC puts its foot down and has the most militaristic laws. I mean, dude, they got a double forfeit. You're both out, you both lose. You're getting tagged with the loss. Yeah, They're not playing around in the SEC. I think there's been a sense of this, and we we really first discussed it in the NFL, but there's a sense from a lot of people that, and by the way, you know this about me, I am in touch with a lot of college administrators and programs on a daily basis. I just kind of work I do outside of broadcasting. I'm in touch with a lot of folks. People are done with testing, Gabe. They don't want to test all of the athletic department every single day, five times a week. They're done with it. And the NFL teams are done with it, too. They don't want to have to run 90 tests for the 90 training camp players every day to make sure nobody transmits it or make sure this guy can practice. It's a costly, laborsome endeavor, which was absolutely necessary. They don't find it absolutely necessary anymore. So if it can be prevented by getting vaccinations or reduce the amount of testing due to wide-scale vaccinations, then that's what they're recommending. They're done with it. They're fed up with it. They're going broke in some instances doing it. So that's why we're moving to these sort of um, more drastic measures, I guess I would say. I think it's a great point, actually. And I brought it up as well. Like, if let's say if you're called, we'll use Cole Beasley as an example. Yeah, it's like, all right, Cole. Sure. All right. We're going to test you every day. So, you know, that means that a couple of other personnel and staff need to show up at six in the morning every day. Right. Mm-hmm. As you stated, we got to pay these guys. And and then, oh, yeah. So I guess now the coaches, they got to meet with you privately in another room after. Right. Because that's exactly what some old man coach wants to do after he just met with everybody else. Instead yeah. of going and getting something to eat, he wants to go meet with the unvaxxed jack offs on his team now. Operating with two different sets of rules. 
It's yeah. against it's against the nature of football and sports and, in yeah, general. Yeah. We got two different sets of rules for the entire. I said roster. it before. I saw someone tweet, tweet Cole Beasley. Good for you. You're a patriot. Stand up for yourself. I said you want to stand up for yourself. You don't play on a football team. <laughs> you see, you want you want to be an individual. Play tennis. Pretty yeah. simple. I don't even know if he would describe himself as patriotic, Kate. Ah, everyone else does nowadays. More with Mike Blewett on the other side. Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The late-night anger management class. This is Sports I am Gable Morenzi. All right, man. Uh, we could talk all night with Mike Poole, but let's get down to business right now. I'm just going to start throwing games. Uh, at Mike. So, man, there's been so much excitement about the Georgia and the Clemson uh, matchup. We talked about Dabo Sweeney and his comments about uh, vaccinations. You know, I want to talk about Dabo Sweeney and his his pedigree versus Kirby Smart. I mean, to me, I just look, I mean, you got Kirby Smart, who has never won a big football game, against Dabo Sweeney, who has made a living winning big football games. And Dabo and Clemson have always been good off a loss as well when they've got that chip on their shoulder. Mm -hmm. A lot of excitement. Most of the people that we talked to this week are actually picking the Georgia Bulldogs to win this game, though. Yeah, I think it's a tough one. Clearly, people are going to want to jump in on this game because it's very high profile. And these two teams are certainly in the top four or five teams that are vying for the national championship uh, based on the odds right now on FanDuel for, for say, and most of your local sports books. But I would say that um, what I like about Clemson, obviously, is they are returning a QB, Gabe, with some experience. He's not totally without experience. Now, Georgia, obviously, is an experienced team as well. I think the, the issues that we saw from Clemson at the end of the year were not offensive in nature. Whether it was Trevor Lawrence or DG, DJU, it did not really matter who the quarterback was. They're explosive. They have enough playmakers. They'll put up points. What Justin Fields did to their defense was disturbing, though, in the uh, college football playoff. Can they right the ship there. Can Brent Venables really tighten up the defense? I think that's what you'd be looking at. Georgia, we know, runs the ball really well. Can JT Daniels step in there and, and pick up where he left off? It's the game I'm most intrigued about right now. Uh, I think people are going to like Georgia because you're getting a couple of points there, Gabe. Plus 132 is interesting. In a tight game like that early, I think people are looking to take advantage of that. But if you're asking me to pick, I'll take Clemson right now. So it's the first time we've ever had five top 25 matchups. Yeah. Um, in, in week one since we've had um, going back to like I think it's like 1950 since they had the preseason poll out of all the games if I told you alright you can watch one and you're a busy man you're a family and you know you're on the phone with uh, with professional sports executives all day I want to find out what's going on with your boy Ben Simmons and they're uh, they're insane I, I, who's got worse crazier expectations Mike Mayock and the Raiders or uh, the Sixers and the, the return they want for Ben Simmons I think I think Mayock's got more more of a thing say. That's to say we should be a playoff team this year. I think Mayock's in a tough spot. What what is he gonna say? He's not even he's not totally in control of his situation either, by the way. He's got a head coach that uh, let's just say he likes to be involved in a lot of the decision making, so he can't operate in a pure GM role when he's got somebody else. But what's trying the GM supposed to say too? Oh God, yeah. no, we're gonna be terrible. Yeah. It's like people laugh to Jared Goff. You see Goff this week. 
said, uh, we expect to win the division. They said, well, your expect expectations. He said, our expectation is to win a division. What do you he want said, to say? Yeah, he said, every year in the NFL, there's a worst to first. Why can't it be us? He said, we've had a great camp. And people people are like, what's this guy? Like, what is he, insane? What, like, what the hell is Jared Goff talking about? And guys, he's the quarterback. That's his job to say that. Like, Eli Manning got walk caught. In the room Eli say, Manning got caught in, in a very similar scenario about five years ago where they asked him where he saw himself as, you know, the term elite kept getting thrown around. Do you think you're elite? And he's like, yeah, I think I'm the best quarterback in the league. That's yeah, my attitude. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And people are like, Eli, are you nuts? You're not the best quarterback in the league. But he has to have that attitude when he steps on the field that I'm the best. I'm going to beat these guys because I'm the best. But you don't necessarily have to get each his deep private thoughts about how he's doubting himself on a week-to-week basis. Do I find <laughs> it laughable that the Lions go in the division? Yes. I do. I have the Lions under five, Gabe, so I don't have a lot of hope for Jerry Goff, but God bless him. He's out there making money and trying to win. Oh, these people on the media, man, and fans, they come at you if you don't say anything, then you say something right. and they come at you. Like, oh, how, how dare he think that? Or, oh, God, he's boring and he never he's answers questions for real. Uh, Mike blew it with us. So I was going to say, out of all the games, is this the game you would watch? Yeah, like I think Clemson, so. Clemson, Georgia? I think so. Penn State, Wisconsin is obviously pretty interesting because if you talk to my man, Joe Lisi, he likes Penn State to pull off uh, a big shocker this year in the Big Ten. I I like the points in this game. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Whether you believe that or not about Penn State, Wisconsin certainly is going to vie for their divisional title. And I think that's a really interesting week one matchup for Penn State to have to go on the road to Wisco. But if you're asking me to watch one game, hell yeah. Clemson, Georgia, let's go. All right, so when it's all said and done, sounds like you're leading with Georgia as well? No, I'm going to go the other way. You are? I, you are? I, I just trust Clemson in this spot. That's I, I, can't, I can't say it any more plainly than that. I trust them to play better in a big spot, even though Georgia, I think, is just as talented. I talked about this earlier in the week. Georgia are 3-11 against the spread in their last 14 games when getting eight points or less. So that tells you they, they don't, don't win close games. Yeah, when they're, when they're playing against a team of like sort of similar similar talent, says it all. Dabo Sweeney seven and one against the spread last eight neutral site uh, games. Alabama and Miami. What's your feeling on this one? Is the point spread too high, over under? And Bill O'Brien is now the offensive coordinator of the Alabama Crimson Tide. People have been talking, you know, for, about this game for weeks about. Oh, Alabama have lost so many players. Alabama have lost so many players. Have you not watched this movie before, guys? Yeah, right. It's like a soap opera. The guy that replaces Dr. Yeah, Dr. Carlson on the soap operas, he's a better actor. Like, they just, they don't reload. They get better somehow. Like, it's like, man, oh, yeah, yeah these guys are better than our last guys, actually. It's like one of those deals. Yeah, and, and if I'm being, I totally agree with everything you said, but I would also say that, it's really going to be hard to run it back with in terms of the level of production, right? You had Waddle and Smith and Jones and Harris. Oh, I think that they might, grind through. They run I the agree. ball. They grind through. They hang right. their hat on their defense. Plus, we're also talking about a Miami team where people always like to talk about the Miami team that's coming back. Derek King could be a really interesting player this year, but he is recovering from an injury, Gabe. It's not like he's at 100% coming into week one. And he's going up against Alabama, as to your point. Uh, 
is just going to reload. They did not lose a lot of players on defense. So uh, they're going to have an opportunity to have more experienced players on defense. If you're asking me my favorite angle of this game, while I do think Bama can cover here and you're probably getting a shorter number than you will get in the middle of the season against similarly talented teams as Miami, I think Alabama tries to run them off the field. So the 61, even though it's a big number, is interesting to me because I think Miami's going to have to try to keep throwing punches to stay with Alabama and ultimately lose. That's the interesting thing about Bama over the last five to seven years, Gabe. They're not just a slow-it-down defensive Nick Saban football team. They are a quick-tempo, high-scoring, high-flying offense. The SEC as a whole, and I've made money off of this, Mike, you know, in and, and yesteryear, the SEC used to be basically just comparable to the NFL. Yep. Like, you know, when other college conferences had these crazy totals of, you know, 62 and a half and 58 and a half. I'm talking the older days. Let's talk about 20 years ago. SEC totals were in line with the NFL, 48 and a half. And if you'll notice, as you stated, look at the Georgia Bulldogs, bro. These guys, all these teams. Like in the SEC, you almost have to score 50 points <laughs> to, to win these games. The Mississippi's in the world, Texas A&M's in the world. They put points on the board, but Saban and Belichick, these guys, they'll adapt to what they have. And I think what they have now is a young quarterback, a raw offensive line, and a bunch of stud running backs, and an amazing defense. I look at this game, and to me, the key to the game is I don't think Miami will be able to move the ball much on Bama's defense. Not and enough, I, certainly. I do think the under, and how about this for, for um, um, how about this for uh, stats here? So the last nine years, Alabama, they always play these openers. Michigan, Virginia Tech, West Virginia, Wisconsin, USC Trojans, Florida State, Louisville, Duke, Missouri. They've won by a combined score of 351 to 113. So it's an average score of 39 to 12. And I'll tell you what, over the last nine years, Alabama lost to good players along the way. So it's almost like the same situation. I look at it like this. I think they come out. I think Saban, in Saban's mind, I think he's looking for a 34-14 win. He'll take okay. like a 37-17 win in this game. I think, they I think that's the totally reasonable. I think that the, the way to doing the math, it sets up to be somewhat like a like a 41-20 game. That's kind of what you're looking at, right? To give or take a couple of points, you know, 40 to 22, something like that is how it lines up. And uh, that gets you to both of those numbers. So if you don't think it's going to be in that range of 41 to 21, then you take the under. But I think Alabama is not going to let their foot off the gas for a second here. And if they put up a 50-burger, I don't think I'd be that stunned. A couple of bets that I made, uh, Mike. So I took Wisconsin to win their division. Just to win the division. And what I love about this, they could lose this game and this doesn't affect their division. Absolutely. uh, Chances. This is a great football game, right? This is is such a big game for, for both programs. But specifically, Coach Franklin and Penn State, who people love to watch lose. They lost their first five. They came back with four in a row. Joe Lisi thinks they're going to be one of the most improved teams in the country. I know Phil Steele thinks they're going to be one of the most improved teams in the country. They got a ton of talent. I'm so tempted by their win total, bro. But, man, that Penn State schedule is tough. I agree. I, I think that's sort of where you're at with Penn State is you can like them. At least he, when I did a, a show with him last week, uh, Lisi has them in his college football playoff 
23 to 1 for them to make the college football playoff. That, and he's that's, bumped, a, that's bold. Uh, it's bold. It's bold. It's a bold prediction, but he's bouncing Ohio State out, uh, putting Penn State in. But to your point about their regular season, they start off at Camp Randall Stadium noon on um, on week, in week one. Ball State, Auburn, Villanova, then Indiana at Iowa, Illinois at Ohio State, which is always not where you want to be, right? You're going to be at Ohio State Halloween weekend. Uh, again, always the nine conference games. So there's not a really a lot of easy games for them. In terms of comparing the two teams, I think it's really tight, Gabe. I, 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 don't, I can't say one way or the other on this one. If I feel strongly about a certain team, it's probably the one I feel least confident about of these five sort of ranked matchups. But for now, I'm going to go with Wisconsin, the home team. I'll just give them the edge early. Um, but again, you think they cover the points? You think they're going to win by six, six, seven points? So that's that's probably that's a lot of points, man, for is. for an offense that's sort of challenged. I I agree, and we don't have Wisconsin had a very stop and start season right last year. Remember, they had COVID issues. They had injuries at the quarterback position. Jack Cohn never played for them. Graham Mertz was in, then he was out. Um, I think early on in the season, Gabe, the one thing you should know about college football in week one is that these lines are not properly adjusted yet. And to your point, I think yeah. it's probably too many. I think people are looking at Penn State being four and five They're last, last year's year. lines. Yeah, you're right. That's a good right. way to put it. Yeah. So give me the points here, even though I think Wisconsin wins the game. Mike blew it, kicking it uh, with uh, – sorry, Mike, I'll throw a couple of – we'll take a quick break. I'll get you on the other side. We'll get you yeah. out of here. I'll just throw a couple of games at you. But what's your NFL schedule like? Because um, now that I'm on the West Coast, I'm going to be doing the late games. So all these years, Mike, it's my first time. I've always been on at 1 o'clock. I've never done the 4 o'clock games uh, on our NFL Sunday coverage before, but I will be uh, this year. What's your schedule looking like? I'm 10 to 1, so I'll kick it off again like I have the last couple of years. Pro football today. Myself, Ariel Epstein, Dane Martinez, guests like Davis Maddock doing DFS. Dr. Chow coming in for injury updates about an hour and a half before kickoff. And then we'll rotate in some other handicappers. We'd love to get you on one week. Uh, it's in the one in the 12 o'clock to 1 o'clock hour, so it's not Oh, that's early. early. That's okay. But... I, after a sober Saturday, I'll be able to do it. All right, hang in here, Mike. Hang in here. Or am I blue and on the other side? Bring it. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. This is Sports Rage. I am Marenzi. We're breaking it down. Mike Blewett will step back up and in and kick it with us for a couple of more moments. We got Ryan Radke going to throw it down with us as well. Play-by-play voice of the UCLA-LSU game on the Westwood One radio networks. You know we're fired up for that game. And we told you, uh, we told you, man, uh, that uh, the LSU Tigers are one of our best bets of the day. We put a little bit more on that. Even though I probably shouldn't do that, you know, we always stress – you know, especially with college football, there's so many games, man, uh, throughout every every weekend and, and especially throughout the year. So we always stress, same thing with the NFL. When you're betting any sport, you should always put the same amount of units all, all the time. You know, I, and I'm not saying like every game, but don't, don't be like, oh, you know what? I love this game so much. I'm going to put $500 on this game and I'm, I'm going to put $100 on every other game. 
Let's say you you go four and zero with the other games, and you lose the the one game you put five hundred on, you lost money, and it happens. You know what? We all have like you know the the you know we all we all see things through a haze sometimes, right? We'll all convince ourselves at times of something. You know, I mean, how many times it happened to you where you've like I said that you've you've had a good night. And, you know, you've won a bunch of money. Let's say you're betting $100 a game, and you're up like three, 400 bucks on the night. And then there's a game a little bit later on coming up, but you really like it. You're like, man, I really like this late game. I'm going to put 500 on it. And then you just ruin your night because you lost it. Right, like there are some bets that are better than others, and you're going to think, man, I love this game. And that's fine. But stick to a system. Say, I bet $75 a game all the time, but when I really love a game, I go 150 Or I bet 100 all the time, but when I like a game a lot, I'll go 250 But don't start swinging around like, oh, I put 50 on this, 300 on that, 75 on this, 1000 on that. Trust me, guys, I've been down this road. All right? I, I'm like one of the worst people to talk about, like, finances and money management skills when it comes to gambling. You know, I'm a good handicapper. Now, I haven't been a great gambler, but... I've been getting smarter about it, and at least I've made enough mistakes now over the years that I know. So that, that's my thing. Stick to the same, like, unit sizes as much as you can. The Late Night Anger Man's Will Class continues.